Welcome to Kitchen Chat, everyone. This is Margaret McSweeney, your host, and thank you for joining me today in my kitchen, a place where you will discover secret ingredients to life, love, and today, the secret ingredients to noodle kugel, thanks to our delightful guest, I can't wait for you to meet, Louise Sattler. She is a nationally certified school psychologist with specializations in linguistics and multicultural education. And Louise has been teaching American Sign Language for more than 20 years. I can't wait to hear about that. She's also a cancer survivor, an entrepreneur, a mom with a son who has ADD, and a daughter who's a Hollywood actress, and a great cook. Among her repertoire is Noodle Kugel. So welcome so much to my kitchen, Louise. It's so great to have you here. Thanks for having me, Margaret. I've always wanted to be on your show, so this is like a little dream come true here. Oh, this is just I love your show. Oh, well, you are just so dear. I am really looking forward to hearing how you got your beginnings in American Sign Language. Now, how do you want the story story? that is G-rated or the story that's a little bit less than (laughs) G-rated? Because I would love, I always tell audiences when I do my uh, national guest speaking and things like that, that I would love to be able to tell them that I had this, you know, just altruistic need to go learn sign language because I had a deaf friend or something like that. And that is really far from the truth. I lived in this suite in dorms at the University of Delaware. Mm-hmm. And there were education majors there, and they were taking sign language, and they would use them in the clubs at night. And ah. I was like, uh-uh, no, uh-uh. <laughs> you know, like, you all are talking a language I do not understand, and wow. I need to be part of this conversation. So I went and I took a sign language class. And then fast forward to 30-some-odd years later, and I make a living out of it, and I don't think they remember 10 words. So, you know. This is so funny. So it, you learn sign language to communicate in the clubs. <laughs> That's the God's honest truth. Now, I could just say something else if you'd like, but but, but that is the truth. And, and, it, and it just leads you to believe that you never know where your career path will start. That is so true. And, and look where it has gone and flourished. And you are one of the leading um, people in the United States with American Sign Language. I don't know if I would go that far, but oh, well, there, there, are, there are certainly a lot of people. I'm very proud that I developed um, a company, Signing Families, that is different mm-hmm. than just about any other sign language company out there. And what makes it different is I'm a psychologist. And for many, yeah. many years, like 20 I sat in individual educational planning programming meetings called IEPs, mm-hmm. worked with hundreds, thousands of parents and kids, and often we would say to them, you know, if your child has some real language delays, have you thought about taking sign language? And they would just look and they would be like, are you kidding me? You know, we barely have enough money to take the bus to this meeting or to put food on our table or, you know, whatever, and you want us to try and look for a babysitter for a child with developmental disabilities? Are you kidding me? So it just seemed when I transitioned into a different career Mm -hmm. that I needed to get something that was affordable and accessible to these parents. I just felt like I needed to honor that because I I felt like we, we just, we were dropping the ball too many times. So I left formal psychology. I left the school practice mostly to be with my family and to go on to do something else. Right. And it it was like it clicked. It, it clicked. And so I, I didn't realize how much the need was. And and we are going to talk about that, too, in terms of how you have turned this need into a, a wonderful business 
that provides excellent resources and um, just along along the path. I, I like to think of you as a stew. <laughs> That's okay. Oh, okay, like a little potpourri or something. Exactly. No, well, since we're in the kitchen, a stew. Because a stew has so many different ingredients, and you're like, how can all of this come together? And that's just like a synopsis of your delicious life, Louise. I mean, you have put together so many different things, different, you know, being um, an expert in sign language, uh, starting businesses, being a mom, a cancer survivor, so many ingredients to your life that have come together in the kitchen um, to form a a stew. And a stew is something wonderful. So I, I just admire all of the ingredients and the spice in your life. I have to tell you, Margaret, that's an interesting choice of foods. Because when we were younger, we got to pick our favorite meal for our birthday dinners. I'm sure other listeners do the same. Mm-hmm. And I always picked stew. <gasps> oh, I didn't even know that. that is isn't, that, so isn't that interesting? Which ironically was my brother Phil's least favorite dish. <laughs> and he always picked my least favorite dish, which was hot dogs. I can't stand hot dogs. I can't smell them cooking. I mean, and, and so I have two older brothers. My oldest one, you know, we sort of got the middle of the road, but... Yeah, I always pick stew, so that's really good. Lots and lots of vegetables. I'm not much of a meat eater, but Mm -hmm. lots of vegetables. And what kind of vegetables do you enjoy in your stew? It does not matter. I'm Mm -hmm. allergic to tomato. You're allergic to tomatoes? How did you discover that? I've never heard of anyone. It was not a good discovery. Oh, no. I had gotten, I can't believe we're talking about this. Talk about stew. This is like, totally, well, every, I've done lots and lots of interviews. That I've never been asked about my allergies. Um, I didn't know I needed to open up my medical records. Uh, basically, basically, I had strep throat. And at first, they thought that the allergies I was experiencing a couple of weeks after having strep throat was like um, uh, scarlet fever, you know, the secondary condition to strep throat. And then it wasn't, it never went away. And every time I ate a slice of pizza or tomato sauce, I would just break out into a rash. And that's how they found out I was allergic to tomatoes. Amazing. Well, you are the first person I've met allergic to tomatoes. Well, let me tell you, it it is not, I mean, it's not the worst allergy I have by far, but it sure isn't the yummiest because if I know tomorrow's Armageddon, I am so swimming in a pool filled with lasagna like you've never seen before. (laughs) So, I mean, because I miss foods like that. I miss lasagna. I miss fresh tomato sandwiches. I miss all of that. Oh, and especially in the summer, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. It's a a winter allergy. It's better. A winter allergy. (laughs) (laughs) That is great. And I'm curious, listeners, if you have food allergies, please share that with us. And if you have any substitutes you can offer in terms of ingredients. Um, For example, my oldest daughter, Melissa, is allergic to eggs. And we discovered that when we were eating out at this this restaurant for a Sunday brunch. And she was about 18 months old, Louise. And she had a little bite of scrambled eggs and just got violently sick and broke out into hives. And as a new mom, it was just very worrisome. Well, it turns out, She's allergic to eggs. She's outgrown it since. But we had to get the MMR, you know, the vaccine, which is egg-based. Go to take the um, little serum to uh, an allergist to have it administered there to make sure she didn't have the reaction. And up until about, I guess, five years ago, uh, Melissa had to get her flu shot in the doctor's office. Yeah, that's a very serious allergy. My brother has the same thing. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, and it seems like there's just been a proliferation of 
of food allergies. I don't know if it's environmental or I don't or either. What. And you yeah. finally hit a category that I know nothing about. <laughs> oh, well, I can't believe that because you are the go-to woman. Uh, and we're going to talk about 411. Whenever you know you need information, you go to Louise and now her wonderful, wonderful business. It's ours. Voices. It's not, it's well, not just mine. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll get to that topic. But I am I'm just so intrigued by American Sign Language and want sure. to spend a little more time on that. I, I read that your children, your son and daughter, started signing as infants. Tell us about that. Well, I grew up in a multicultural home, Margaret, and I grew up in a multilingual home. Mm-hmm. So you could walk into my house when I was, you know, an infant and hear one of three, four different languages going around. My, and which languages? Uh, my grandparents spoke Yiddish. Mm-hmm. My mother was a French-Spanish major. Um, so... There was a lot of language speaking going on in my house, plus English, of course. Yeah. So, and my neighborhood had a lot of people who were German or Italian. So mm-hmm. I grew up in New York. So there was just a lot of cultural enrichment. Yeah. And I think that stuck with me as one of the most favorite things that I enjoyed growing up. Mm-hmm. So when I married my husband, he took a sign language class when we were dating. That's when oh. I knew we were serious. Wait, when, is this the one the dude the that's club? in a sign language class? I know he's serious. <laughs> <laughs> and I was working at the school for the deaf in Delaware at the time, oh, at wow. Delaware State School for the Deaf. Mm-hmm. And uh, lo and behold, he contracted something called Meniere's syndrome, which is an imbalance in your hear, in your ear, inner ear disorder, and lost some of his hearing. Oh, wow. And so we started signing at home because when he is in a very busy, very loud environment, such as a wedding or uh, out to dinner in a restaurant, and if he's scanning sort of the condition in which he has some tinnitus, so he doesn't hear everything correctly. There's like ding, 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 ding in his ear. Um, then from time to time, we do sign. It's a, it's a life skill for us. When we yeah. had children, I said, you know what? I want them to be raised in a multicultural, multilingual home, and I'm going to add sign language. And lo and behold, both of my kids learned to sign before their first birthday, and my second one, Seth, was a premature baby. He did not speak till he was 18 months old, but he had 50 signs by that time. So we were able to communicate just fine. Mm-hmm. And I didn't go through what I affectionately call the uh-uh stage, where a child just points and goes, uh-uh, uh-uh, you know. We didn't right. have that. We just had signs. It's signs, not- and I would voice, and, and my husband mm. would voice. But until he could really develop language skills orally, we depended on signing with him. Wow. Now, how do you teach a child to do sign language? It is the same as when it's the same developmental process when you teach a hearing child sign Mm -hmm. language or a deaf child sign language. Um, So in a deaf home, if the parents are deaf, and by the way, just to get some statistics out there for those of you who don't know, because it was kind of news to many of my students, if you have 10 children who are deaf in a room, or let's just say 100 children. We'll make the statistics easy. If you have 100 adults who are deaf mm-hmm. and they go on to have children, only 10 of the 100 parents will produce a deaf child. 90% of deaf people give birth to hearing children. Wow. Which is a statistic. Most people are under the assumption if you're deaf, you have a deaf child. Right. And that's not right. true. Most reasons for deafness are not genetic. So, and what are be, the reasons for deafness? Well, a lot of times, particularly in in my generation or your generation or generations 
maybe, you know, slightly before, like, so if you were born in the 60s or 70s or the 80s, meningitis, meningitis and rubella, contracted very early at birth, high fevers, prematurity, and then, of course, you have substance abuse. Right. So, which does not say that when you meet a deaf person, you say, ooh, your parents were substance abusers. It doesn't mean that at all. They could have had a reaction to a medication, uh, even. So they could have had a, a drug given to them that caused deafness. And actually, some women experience deafness when they're pregnant. And why in the world is that? Wait, you, you, some women experience deafness when they are mm-hmm. pregnant. There are what just happens? some disorders that kick in where they may have had a minor or a, a kind of a, a slight sensory neural loss, and then it becomes a more devastating sensory neural loss upon pregnancy. So, yeah, so basically sign language to me is something that was a life skill for us. Mm-hmm. And to this day, we all still sign in our house. That is so neat. And, and so the family has, has really learned a new language together. Yeah. And yeah. at a very and, and young age, it. it's infants. And that must have been so helpful, being able to communicate when, you know, when it's, it's so difficult to understand what a child wants. So, so you really were able to kind of understand at a very early age with your kids what they needed through sign language? Right. Not only that, but fast forward to when my son would play soccer and mm-hmm. all those parents at the end of the game are screaming where they're parked their car and, you know, how proud they were or a great game. And mm-hmm. I would just sign to my son on the field. You know, oh. in sign language, I would say I'm parked third row over about the fifth car back. Oh, Meet me there. Wow. And we would be out of the parking lot before the other kids could find their parents. Isn't that amazing? It's um, just a great way to communicate. And you have made it easy for people who are interested in learning sign language just as a second language or as a way to communicate or maybe a new mom out there who's saying, hey, you know, I'd really like to learn new ways to communicate with my child. Yeah, you have have made that possible. And can you tell us a little bit about your business in terms of what it offers? Well, my business is signing families, not singing, but signing, because everyone says, I can't find you. And I'm like, oh, the dyslexic people, which is fine because half this household is dyslexic. But uh, uh, signingfamilies.com. And what we do is I melded sign language learning with developmental psychology. So we offer an array of products, and we're always in product development. I have a very... um, busy Facebook page because people are always recommending, can you do this? Can you develop this? And we do. Mm-hmm. Uh, if we have the funds, if we have the know-how, we will develop it. So our most popular, uh, and by most popular, I mean we've sold out four times now, mm-hmm. is our award-winning Baby Toddler Preschool Sign Language DVD. And unlike other DVDs that are on the market, which are fine, I love Rachel Coleman. She's a mom of deaf children. She has signing time. She's a great woman. Mm-hmm. However, ours is the flip. We teach the parents as language models. I'm not interested in children in front of a television. I'm interested in parents learning to incorporate it in their life, whether they're the parent of a typical or atypical developing child. That is my tool, my give back to those IEP meetings I was talking about when we used to sit and say, hey, we need to, you know, you need to go take some sign language classes. This is the basics of sign language for any parent who has a child who's developmentally delayed or just wants to incorporate sign language with their young child into the home. And it teaches the strategies and memory techniques 
to go with it. And what I do is I go around the country now and I actually Mm -hmm. do workshops and I offer this DVD as an add-on, or it could be just purchased separately from our website or dozens and dozens of other websites. You can go to Amazon, Barnes & Noble, any of those. Speaking of websites, I'm so so sorry. Speaking of websites, I want to immediately give this resource out to the listeners. It's www.signingfamilies.com. And these resources Louise is talking about, you can just click on your computer. And what I loved this morning, I went um, online and I was following you. And and you are delightful. You just bring such joy in your DVD and and (laughs) online presentation. And I was using some sign language. And and make it easy (laughs) and fun and and doable. And and I think it's a great resource. You just get a little um, appetizer since you're in the kitchen. You get a little hors d'oeuvre of of American Sign Language online. It's a little snack size. Exactly. <laughs> we, we, give, we give the snack size. If you, if you want the quart size bag, you have to like, you know. Yes, you have to order. But there's a very accessible menu and 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 just for so many different. Um, well, did you see we're making it even easier that we're adding online courses, which is something parents requested. That we, is great. We had um, a number of requests over the year that said, you know, we, we love, you know, the DVDs, but we have older kids. We'd like, you know, we have a homeschool uh, situation. Um, I, I walked into my dentist's office and they're like, do you know how many dentist assistants would love to learn sign language for the deaf, per, you know, community members? Um, so we're doing that online course. We yeah. are just getting ready to film just for kids by kids, three very energetic kids teaching oh. hearing children how to sign. Uh, everything we do is captioned, by the way. So if you are deaf or if you have some limited hearing, you will still be able to access. Right. And then one of my favorite ones that we're going to be adding is adaptive sign language for the people in the special needs community. Oh, for those who live, yes. love, and work with them. Oh. <clears throat> Sorry and about this, my coughing here. <laughs> no, no, no. And this is a way, and, and I didn't even think about the application for you know, reaching out to those kids and adults. It's a way to really break a barrier in terms of being able to communicate. Well, I think sign language online is now the wave of the future. Mm -hmm. And it is uh, kind of expensive to create and produce and reproduce a DVD, although I will continue to offer those. Mm -hmm. Our second most um, used DVD series is the sign language for emergency situations. And yes, that and one. I saw the demonstration, the little snack size on that, and I've learned yes. the sign for emergency. <laughs> yes, so. and the reason I created that one, and I don't know if you if you read the story, which wasn't quite mm-hmm. snack size, is oh. that my family was deeply involved in the 9-11. Uh, oh. We're New Yorkers, and, you know, oh, those kinds of things are, you know, in our history. Yeah. And so it dawned on me after, you know, discussing with my brother what he had to do to get out of lower Manhattan, and his office used to be in the World Trade Center, um, what the deaf community did on that day and how did they glean information. Uh, Captioning was not very successful that day. It was a very chaotic day. Right. And how many first responders knew sign language? And the answer was very clear, none. (laughs) None or very, very few. So the deaf community, the uh, special needs community, uh, in the midst of chaos, I live in the Washington, D.C. area, where it is one of the largest deaf communities is right here in the Washington, D.C. area. Wow. And it was just, it sat with me and just bugged me and bugged me and bugged me. So about two years ago, I created 
sign language for emergency situations, and I'm very mm-hmm. proud that I've gone to about ooh, 10 states now, I think, training emergency responders, hospital uh, workers, uh, doctors, nurses, school nurses in, you know, 10 or more states now. That is amazing. And, Louise, thank you for d- discovering that real need and, and acting on it to make sure those resources are there. And I can only imagine how frightening that must be in an emergency situation and as a deaf person not to be able to get the the right communications in terms of where do you go in a, in a situation like that and how, how do you escape and your exit. And that is so needed. That and is it's so needed. astounding because the fourth most used language in this country is sign language. Really? The fourth most used? The first language. is English, mm-hmm. the second is Spanish, the third is Chinese. The fourth used to be German, but now it is sign language. How fascinating. Now, how many people are in the deaf community in the United States? That say? is a statistic that sort of vacillates. Okay. So some people say um, out of, what are we, 300 some are thousand, you know, <clears throat> 300 million people, Mm-hmm. It, it averages about 10% have hearing loss of significance. Wow. So we either use hearing aids or are deaf. The statistics kind of go back and forth. But if you look at the metropolitan areas such as Houston, Tampa, mm-hmm. New mm-hmm. York, Washington, D.C., and San Francisco, you will get very large deaf communities. And then the largest growing sub-community is, of course, the deaf Hispanic community, which market yes. is why all of our products now are in Spanish, whether it's the school folders, whether it's the emergency series, we make cards, we make wipeable charts. All of that is now in Spanish, sign language, and English, and all of our captioning on our video is yes. in Spanish and sign language and, and English. And this is just amazing to me. And if we could just take a quick step sure. back. Sign language is just really, and I know it's called American Sign Language, but I, are, are they... How does that work in terms of English words versus Spanish? Is there like uh, a Greek sign language? I mean, what? How well, we're going to need a second show on this. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> but I'll give I'll give you the Evelyn Woods or you know the Cliff yes. Notes version here. Okay. Basically, sign language is based, as we know it in the United States, on the French system, French okay. sign language, mm-hmm. and so is Spanish and things like that. So oh. we share some of the signs, but mm-hmm. they are not the same. You know, oh. it, it, it's kind of like. Romance languages have an integral center, and then it sort of branches out. Right. Um, so, however, the British do mm-hmm. not use American Sign Language. They use British Sign Language. I swear it's because they don't want anything French in their country. But whatever the reason. And so in Australia, does kind of an amalgam between English and British Sign Language, depending on what part of the region through there. So well, when you have a Hispanic person who, for instance, is a deaf person in uh, in the Latin, you know, culture here, Mm -hmm. you tend to sign American Sign Language, but voice in Spanish. Ah. But if you go across the border to Mexico, then you will use Mexican Sign Language. So sign language is not international. There are some what we call iconic signs Mm -hmm. in that if we all asked people from around the world to imitate the sign for drink, Mm -hmm. chances are nine out of 10 people would have the exact same sign. Okay. However, if you ask them for the sign for uh, conversation, they mm-hmm. may come up with something different. Interesting. Similar, but not the same. 
And do do deaf people kind of create um, slangs and uh, oh, little yeah. sayings that, that within the sign language itself? Oh yeah, if you want to know slang in American Sign Language, go to any deaf school and <laughs> hang out at lunch, <laughs> and it'll be your ten minute quick course on what to say or not say in public. Oh, Ab- absolutely! But I'm really delighted that the new show switched at birth. Yes, is opening yes. the conversation to American Sign Language being integrated into this. Oh, community. I love that because Marie um, Matlin, um, Marley Matlin, yeah, Marley, she's a doll. Yes. Mm-hmm. She she really um, kind of broke the barrier too with that wonderful movie. What was that years ago? Oh, Children of a Lesser God. Yes, yes, that's... and on a whole different show. I'll, I'll you know, we could go on for hours and hours. I know, on, I know, and we have. But so I much actually to have cover. met Marley yes. Matlin, and um, yeah, oh. she is. She tells us one wonderful story of how she began her career and how Henry Winkler sort of mentored her and how she feels the need to give back. Um, uh, And I brought my daughter to hear her speak. And afterwards, I I was with a a smaller group. So we had an opportunity to meet her, you know, personally. And I introduced my daughter who was then 12, 13 years old and just starting as an actor. And I said, this is my daughter. Any words of wisdom? I know you have to hit a plane. And she really appreciated that my daughter and Marley and I, you know, that we could all sign. Oh, it wasn't a spoken wow. conversation. I didn't need the interpreter. We all signed. You all signed with Marley Mallow. What yeah. a and moment. So she was like, you know, I have to I have to hit the plane, but, mm-hmm. you know, just keep at it. You know, if this is what you want to do, if this is your passion, you know, be level-headed, get an education, but, you know, go, go forth. Yes, and those great. words kind of stuck with my daughter. But the beauty is, is that none of us needed an interpreter. And yes, you were, you were just sitting there in an airport. You ran into her. We and were, you were sitting just... there at the convention at at the conference center where wow. we where we had heard her, and just sitting there signing. That just sitting there signing. That is so neat. Oh well, we will have to have a different show and talk <laughs> more about the fascinating. I'll aspect. bring a second recipe. Oh, and that will be great too. Maybe I'll bring That'll stew. Be- <laughs> something with stew, exactly. Now, we have so much material to cover. The next thing, you know, I really see you as the go-to person, and you are a woman of action, and you saw a need in terms of providing experts and resources to people out there online and on the Internet radio side. Could you please tell us about starting 411 Voices? Well, 411 Voices, which you are my my sidekick, as as well as about 20 people now, is kind of, um, there were a group of us, as you know, who Mm -hmm. were together and formed a relationship and were very, uh, very much enjoyed each other's company, but also enjoyed each other as far as resources. Yes. And that if somebody needed something or if I knew somebody who needed something, I could refer to any one of these people who were linked together. Mm -hmm. And. I, I continue to see on Twitter and social media in general parents who are really struggling, you know, people who really needed solid information. And there's, of course, all that junk out there, you know, rumors you can get by the dozens. Right. But, you know, and I'm very proud that I write for education.com, and they really help the educational questions down to a path there. You know, people who need help with whatever in the educational genre, Mm-hmm. They are the best in the biz, as far as I'm concerned, when it comes to getting succinct information quickly. Yes. Uh, but there's a lot of other information people need to know, such as how to start and grow a business. Yes. What do I do with the child that is really out of control? Things that are sort of out of the spectrum of most online general websites. Exactly. And so knowing that we had this 
you know, consortium of women who were just kind of dangling like people out there with no place to land for some, um, you know, it, it came that maybe we can all kind of form together. We were all very different, but very similar in that we have this need to help others, educate others, be collaborative and provide good, solid resources um, for, you know, for basically just clicking on a website. Exactly. And tell us a little bit about some of the women that well, are resources out I'm there. I'm afraid I'm going to forget to. them, but oh, okay. I, I, I will, and I will apologize here on the air for anybody who I did forget. So I'll do them in genres. Yes. So there great. are the women who are very inspirational, just like yourself, yeah. uh, just like Kristen Andrus, who, uh, just like Lisa Carlson, who have a message and want to empower mm-hmm. and was, you know, have want women to understand and young ladies in particular that there is um, strength in numbers and that there is good choices and bad choices. Right. And Lisa Carlson bridges that deaf and hearing community and has a wonderful one-woman show. So when you're, you know, if you ever get to see her, she's sort of in your neck of the woods. She's she's amazing. Yeah. Every one of our speakers, every I'm sorry, every one of our members of 411 Voices. Mm-hmm. And by the way, for those who are listening, it's really the number 411 and then Voices.com. Uh, every one of us is available to do some national speaking interviews like I'm doing with you right now. Uh, yeah. So then we have people who are into uh, the business of helping families with their children or helping families in general. So that would be mm-hmm. like Lynn Kenny, uh, who's the family coach, Annie Fox, who's the world-renowned uh, writer of the Middle School Confidential series, yeah. has also one of the top apps, by the way, people on <laughs> iTunes. Yeah, uh, and and she t- discusses a lot about um, anti-bullying. Yeah, she has the yeah. Cool is Not Cool segment. Uh, Kid Lucians is owned by our wonderful Wendy Young. We mm-hmm. have, of course, Mom on the Shoe. I know that you had yes. Beth and Jenna on your show. Yeah, so, I have Beth, yeah, yes. yeah, Beth Engelman and Jenna Riggs. You know, these are all women, uh, Ava Parnez, mm-hmm. uh, Dara Blake, are all who are helping children and families in one way or another. Yeah. And then we have Mama Carmo, who just joined. And Mama is a breast cancer survivor, but she decided that as a young survivor, she was in her 20s, early 30s. Oh, wow. And uh, that she would actually give back. And she has the most compelling story of any of us, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, she she hails from Africa. She, uh, If you have never interviewed our, our own Mama, I, she should be yes, your next guest. Definitely. And um, so Mama is just an amazing person and a media personality. Many of us are work in the media. Mm-hmm. And I know I am forgetting, oh, Shara Lawrence Weiss, how can I forget her? She uh. is a PR uh, genius, as is um, uh, Britt Michelin, mm-hmm. um, so, who's known as Mama Britt on uh. Twitter. And uh, she, both of them are amazing businesswomen. And I knew this was going to happen. I was going to get to this list and forget somebody. No, and, and, really, and you know really what? And it's not a comprehensive list. You're just giving a little hors d'oeuvre plate. I'm giving my hors d'oeuvre, <laughs> and actually, I gave you probably up through the salad at this yes, point. No, and, and but and the goal is that people, yeah, could yes. help each other. Yes, and I encourage listeners to definitely visit www.411voices.com. Just real quickly, this is Kitchen Chat with Margaret McSweeney, uh, recording on on um, 
the radio here with webtalkradio.net, and my guest today is Louise Sadler, just a delightful person. You'll, you must visit her website, www.louisesattler.com, and her signingfamilies.com, www.signingfamilies.com for information on everything you're hearing today. Um, Louise, tell us a little bit more, too, about um, the radio shows that that uh, many of your experts are offering through 411 Voices. 411 Voices, the beauty of it, Margaret, is that you know we can have people on different media outlets. So although you're part of 411 Voices, you're here on Web Talk Radio, which is great. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have people who are on Blog Talk Radio. We have people who do their own uh, podcasts, and we have people who are on uh, national radio who are mm-hmm. on you know the real dial. Yeah. Uh, so, but uh, quite a few of us are on Blog Talk Radio. So Cheryl Lawrence Weiss actually has a show today. We're we're taping on a Wednesday, so she's mm-hmm. on a Wednesdays at uh, 1 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, and she will she has Small Business Matters. So if you're someone who's right. like a work-at-home mom mm-hmm. or you want to start or launch a business or you're floundering in business, she is by far the go-to person. Great. Um, and also, like I said, Britt McAleon is also an excellent go-to person, and she is on, on a different network. It's a blog talk. Mm-hmm. I do a show with Dara Blaker. Dara does this. Um, we do arts, entertainment, and the business of it all. Yeah, which is on Tuesdays at eleven o'clock Eastern Standard Time. Mm-hmm. My segment is called Parenting the Talent, and her segment is called Dara on Radio. And great, and about parenting the talent, and that's a great segue into being a mom of okay. a Hollywood actress. Just <laughs> yes. give us a little snippet. I know we're we're running tight in terms of time, but but a little sample of what it is like to parent. A child who um, I always say, "Welcome to my roller coaster." <laughs> uh, it it is. I actually interviewed someone yesterday on my show, and she said it very well. In which she said, "It's a whole family career. You cannot say, you know, there's there's a child actor in my family, and they're in isolation." <laughs> it, I had to give up working full time uh, mm. because if there was an audition in New York or you know, Philadelphia or wherever, I had to get her from school. I had to drop everything, you know. So it was, I could not work full time. And I was, I'm very lucky in that I do not need to work full time in my family. Um, I will say that there are, you know, wonderful, wonderful things about being a parent of an actor. For one, you get to meet some amazing people. And I'm not talking celebrities. Celebrities are fun. You know, Mm -hmm. that's fun. We've gotten to meet many, many A-listers. And if you want me to drop names later, I will. Oh, drop it. Go ahead. Okay. Well, let (laughs) me finish this thought because I may may not come back to it. But (laughs) but the thing is that you will, you know, so you get to meet some wonderful parents and you get to stay friends with many of them. That is a a bonus. The thing that is... um, not as good is to see your child be disappointed, see your child do 20, 30 auditions and, and, you know, not get the roles that she wants. Mm. And so my daughter is Natasha Sattler and her movie came out yesterday on DVD. So everyone can go get it called Lebanon dash PA. It's about um, a girl who gets pregnant and makes some very difficult decisions. And she plays the supporting lead. She plays the the best friend of the girl. Mm -hmm. So, um, and it's with Josh Hopkins and Samantha Mathis and, uh, they're all really wonderful people to work with. But you want name dropping. Hmm. Oh, well, I've actually got to work on that. Not that we're that type of show that dishes that type. <laughs> no, no, I was just going to say, I actually got to be an interpreter 
and was actually cast in the movie Invasion and worked with Nicole Kidman. Oh, how And I will tell you that Nicole Kidman is a delight. She is a very sweet person, and we had a very nice day together. Isn't that wonderful? So so that brings me to an, an interesting question. There Are there interpreters that are required on set for these movies or was that Oh yeah. or was that required yes. because of of um it, it having that topic? No, there was a the movie Invasion incorporated deaf actors oh, and I was uh hired to act as an interpreter oh. in the movie. <laughs> I did not know about this, Louise. That's great. Yeah, and so it was a lot of fun. And then Uh the the deaf actor actually brought his mother, who is a certified interpreter, and she was also cast in the movie. So it it was it was a lot of fun. It was a wonderful, wonderful day, and we we had a good time. And and I and we've met many many celebrities, and they're all, for the most part, I'd say ninety nine percent are wonderful. Oh, well, that is terrific. And I did not know we need to add star to your name. I'm going to have to go read No, madam, you don't need to need star to my name. I don't carry a SAG card quite yet, oh, although don't. my daughter oh. certainly carries lots of union cards. <laughs> Soon to be, though. That is great. Well, also, I want to talk about, uh, goodness, a topic you have lived through re- recently, and that is being a cancer survivor. Can you share with us your journey on that? Cancer survivor. Well, this is one of those crazy little stories in that um, I ended up having some dental x-rays and I was having some dental stuff Mm -hmm. and they had to go a little bit lower on an x-ray than usual and they caught part of my neck Mm -hmm. and they saw some nodules. And so I went to the doctor, and the doctor was like, ah, you know, 99% of the time, these are nothing, particularly in women of my age. I'm a Mm -hmm. little bit more mature than a teenager. And so, you know, I I went through a series of doctors. So they, you know, resolved the dental stuff. And and then it was like, oh, okay, I have to go see a specialist. My assistants, I see, are barking in the background. (laughs) Sorry about that. No, that's fine. So anyway, um, so what we ended up being is that – they saw the nodules, and yes, I went for an ultrasound, and then they mm-hmm. did some subsequent, you know, testing, and it was cancer. Oh. And it was pretty pretty aggressive cancer, So, but they got it all, and I had my treatments, and now I'm in remission and doing very well, but thank you. Oh, and is it is it called thyroid cancer? It is thyroid cancer. Sorry, I didn't get that out there. Yes. No, no, that's not. And, and then um, are there symptoms? I mean, would there have been any I way to know? I had zero, zero really? symptoms. And is that typical or atypical in terms of the symptoms? No, actually, most thyroid patients have zero symptoms. Isn't that amazing? So Uh, they might have a little cough or a little bump, but they don't don't get like the, you know, huge lumps or Uh terrible coughing. And that's why most thyroid symptoms, you know, go, you know, thyroid disease go kind of... uh, when it comes to cancer, undiagnosed for quite some time. So they thought I could have had it for like up to 10 years. Really? Yeah. And it was caught from a dental procedure. That is amazing. Now, is this something, is there like a blood test you can get to, to no, detect No, it's, it's all a little, um, it, it, it's 
oh, a biopsy. There we go. I finally got the word. Oh. <laughs> this menopause thing is really driving me crazy. <laughs> uh, I, got, I got the biopsy and then, of course, an ultrasound. And those are the diagnostic measures for thyroid disease. Now, of course, if you have symptoms like hair loss and weight loss, it could be thyroid disease like thyroid okay. cancer. But it could be other things like Graves' disease. Mm -hmm. But my doctors, I I went to Hopkins, had some wonderful, wonderful doctors there. And they say, you know, the majority don't have significant symptoms. The only symptom I had was a weight gain, which Mm -hmm. people kept attributing to my stage of life. Oh, <laughs> but it, you know, weight gain was the only thing. I oh, did not have a cough. I did not thing. have anything. I would never have known they were there. And I had aggressive thyroid oh. cancer. I just didn't. I had it metastasized, so it wasn't just sitting in the thyroid. Mm. But when you go to the top docs in the country, you get to have it hopefully taken all out. Exactly. And I love what you have done with this. You have turned out something turned something so scary into something that reaches out to help others. Can you chat a little bit about your scarf campaign? <laughs> well, this this actually goes back to Cheryl Lawrence Weiss from Mommy Perks. She was oh. doing a hat campaign on Twitter. Mm-hmm. She would change her Twitter picture to reflect uh, different companies that she want or different organizations. So if a company such as Signing Families would donate $20, she would actually put my logo hat on, take a picture, and I would donate it to a chair, and she would donate those monies to a charity. Aww. So when I had, you know, to wear a lot of scarves because, you know, thyroid cancer just really screws up your neck a little bit, uh, I decided that I was going to uh, do something do, make this an educational experience and also an altruistic one, you know, yes. give back. Mm-hmm. So I basically stole her idea, but did the scarf. So I said I would run a Twitter scarf camp, charity scarf campaign. Mm-hmm. And people who wanted to either send me a scarf or I would wear one of my own and then send me their logo, uh, tell me which charity they were donating to, I would wear their scarf and use it as my avatar for a period of time, usually about a week oh. or five days or something like that. And we raised that way well over 500 to almost $1,000. That is great. I had 20 different organizations participate. Oh, Louise, you are just terrific. This is another part of the great stew of Louise. (laughs) (laughs) You're funny. Speaking of food, oh, Louise, I cannot wait to hear about your grandmother's noodle kugel. My grandmother, Hannah, who passed away many, many years ago, used to always make noodle kugel, which is basically noodles and cheese and uh, just yummy, yummy things all together, apples. And we would have it at traditional family dinners, uh, uh, such as Rosh Hashanah, you know, mm-hmm. or Breaking Fast at Yom Kippur, uh, you know, d- different times of the years, birthdays or something like that. Right. And But my grandmother, God love her, never had a recipe. She never wrote it down. She would... She would speak to me like, Louisa, just use your fist, you know, and, <laughs> and she would like put, you know, and she'd say, oh, your, your, your fist is very small. We use two, <laughs> you know, and, and she, I would dump, you know, like two, two fistfuls of sugar in versus her one fistful of sugar. And after she passed away, I was like, oh, my God, I do not have any of those recipes of all those yummy, yummy foods that she used to make. Mm. So my mother was like, I don't know. <laughs> you know she was not a cook, my mother. I don't know. So she's like, ask, you know, ask your great aunt. So I did, and she gave me the recipe for noodle kugel, and it's still a family's favorite today, oh. even even with my own kids. And as a quick overview, do you roll out the the dough for the? Is it the pasta based, or how does that work? Well, actually, you use egg noodles, and okay. you um, cook them up, pretty much al dente, and then you mix them with 
uh, three eggs and lots of butter, mm-hmm. uh, lots of vanilla and sugar, raisins, apples, uh, and then pot cheese, which is like cottage cheese. You could use cottage cheese, but pot cheese is a little stronger in taste. Huh. And I add tons of cinnamon and a little bit of brown sugar, which is an alteration of my grandmother's sort of uh-huh. recipe. And she used to add pineapples, but I don't. Our family doesn't really like pineapples on it. <laughs> so pineapples and together. Pasta. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, and then you mush it together because mm-hmm. it's a sweet pasta. It's not like a dinner. It's like a side dish. Okay. Okay. And then you stick it in the fridge overnight, so it hardens. Uh-huh. All right. And then you go to cook it, and you cook it for about seventy minutes, eighty minutes, and then the last couple of minutes, you take it out and you stick crushed. Um, I, I put on crushed cornflakes with a little bit more cinnamon. You put Ooh. it on top and it gets like a kind of a hard crust on the top. Huh. And then you serve it. This sounds delicious. It and is. I sent well, you the recipe. So you that can will be great. And listeners, I'll make sure that, that we post this on kitchenchat.info and also the web talkradio.net on the kitchen chat site. Louise, Thank you so much for sharing a little slice of your life, little snacks, appetites with the listeners. I'm just so amazed and and so appreciative of your involvement in American Sign Language and and being a cancer survivor and an entrepreneur and a a mom of a a Hollywood actress and, and a son with ADD. You just you just amaze me. You 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 truly have a variety to your life. Well. Life is not a dress rehearsal is my favorite saying, and that's yes. the way I like to live it. Exactly. So thank you. You know, th- I have to tell you, this was one of my favorite ever interviews. Oh, thank you, Louise. And I'm just so glad that you came into my kitchen virtually, and I hope one day you'll come visit in person, and, and, and we'll have to, to cook that noodle kugel together. You got it. You got a deal. Oh. <laughs> I'll be well, in Chicago sooner than later. Yes, so that fine. will be terrific. <laughs> well, thank you, Louise Sattler. Please check out her website, louisesattler.com, and signingfamilies.com. Get the great resources. You can learn sign language. I challenge everyone to, to learn some sign language. Just take five minutes of your time today and, and learn some important words um, via her, her online demonstration for sign language and, and think about even getting a DVD and, and making that a family project to learn sign language and check out her other great resources on 411voices.com and please join us in the kitchen next week uh, when we will have a chef, a surprise chef is going to come into the kitchen and share some great recipes with you. Meanwhile, everyone, thank you again for joining me here on Kitchen Chat, webtalkradio.net and remember, savor the day. <laughs>